What's up, y'all? Welcome to Men Thrive. Y'all know what it is. We are pushing men to show up whole, operate in joy, and live with power. And we just bring some conversations with brothers that are personifying that survival is just not enough. I want more than that. I want to live bigger than that. I want to show up bigger than that. I'm operating in a special way. And so it is an honor and a privilege to uh, bring just an incredible brother. I've been, I've been a fan of his for a long time. And the, the universe is just undefeated. Uh, so I happened to be in L.A. with a dear friend of mine. And uh, he was at the same restaurant with his family um, and was able to connect and I think just join uh, in, in brotherly spirit. Uh, and from that point, here we are. We're, we're on the other end of uh, in the middle of a world that we don't even know what it's going to be. And this brother is just putting out content in ways that people are confused by. And so you may have seen him on Def Comedy Jam, on Wild and Out, uh, on one of your favorite movies that made you laugh. Uh, but he's just a he's just a brother showing up in the fullness of his gift, taking a level of responsibility for what he wants to offer the universe, and then letting y'all decide how the hell you're gonna receive it. Um, my brother, uh, Avion Crockett, what's up, man? What's up, bro? Appreciate you. Man, listen. The great intro. I'm going to try to live up to it one day. Oh, man, please. I don't lie. All I, <laughs> all I, all I try to... You know what's funny? You, you and I were talking before we came on, and honestly, all I try to do, man, is in my introductions of folks, talk about how they make me feel. And, mm-hmm. and, and as brothers in particular, we don't get excited about each other enough. Right. And, I, and I'm just ex- I'm ex- I'm excited as hell about some brothers, not just in this moment, but just in general, because in, in watching cats just walk in their gift. I'm inspired by that shit, man. I mean, it's just. It is I, I have in the last two years in particular found myself in awe of watching guys just be who they are and show up. Full stop, as opposed to, all right, let me see how, let me see how the marketplace is acting. Let me see how I may want to do this. What's the stuff I should say? What's the stuff I shouldn't say? And it ain't been easy being a black man um, ever. ever. But recently it's been really interesting, man, because sometimes our sisters don't even be feeling us in the kind of way where we feel like we can show up and just be oh, honest. That's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so, that's a whole nother conversation. As I, as, as I wear my be good to women hoodie. I'm not even going to go there right now. Let me, let me ask you this, man. <laughs> in, the midst of, in the midst of all that is this new reality, did you, did you have a conversation with yourself where you were like, all right, bro, this is what I'm seeing. This is what the reality is. This is how I'm showing up. Or did you just say in the midst of all of this, I don't know what to do but to be me. And here's what it is. How did, how did it play out? Because you're doing a lot right now. And I'm just wondering what your process was. Did, did, you, have to, did, did you have to give yourself a pep talk in the midst of the reality? Or did, was it just, yo, this is, this is me? Uh, it's just me uh, for the most part. So it's a bit of, it's a little bit of both, right? It's not necessarily a pep talk. I'm just a guy and my business partner, she says this all the time. She's like, she says, you don't never stay on the ropes. Mm. I'm a boxing fan. I'm a martial artist. So your, your trainer will tell you, get the fuck off the ropes. Don't put your back on the ropes because now you're boxed in. He's hitting your body. He's hitting, he's hitting vital organs mm-hmm. and he hits your head he could you know it's a lot that could go on if you stay on the rope so and you ain't Ali life, huh? and you ain't Ali and if you ain't Ali which everybody ain't Ali <laughs> <laughs> but no one but Ali is Ali so if you're not robot doping and you got that that swerve you gotta you, you gotta understand like this thing is a fight and, and because I'm a fighter I'm always being strategic I'm always looking for the angle. I'm always looking for the shot. How can I hit that rib? How can I hit that neck? How can I hit that nose? I always know I got to eat. I got I to gotta pay mortgage. I got to pay da 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 
But on top of that, I enjoy what I do. So it's not a tedious thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a, oh, man, we got to figure out how to make money. And when I say <laughs> we, I mean me. <laughs> me is we around here, right? Mm-hmm. So I do have those conferences with myself to say, all right, what are we going to do? What, what, what's, what's next? What's the next pivot? We got, all right, we shot the stand-up special. We financed the stand-up special. Um, how are we going to get that money back? How are we going to pay off the, the, the other producers involved? How are we going to maximize that special? How are we going to maximize this moment? All right. COVID happens. No stand-up shows for a while. No live shows. All right. That was a big bag. But how do we pivot? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when we got in the middle of this pandemic, I started tinkering with Instagram. And this is where I kind of just stumbled upon some things. Yeah. I was always on the gram, you know, I use it for, you know, to, to build my audience, but pandemic gave a nigga time. Mm-hmm. When you give me time, <laughs> I'm going to produce. And the thing about me is I'm used to this. This is what I, when I was broke in a small apartment where all of my yeah. things were in the same room, it wasn't a studio, but you would have thought it was a studio. It was a one bedroom, but I had all my, my office was in the living room. Uh, I had a, a, a pullout couch in that bitch. I had all kind of shit in the same room. And I was always creating. This is when YouTube became a thing in the beginning. I was always shooting, editing, producing music, soundtracking my shit, whatever. And just distributing, uploading and distributing to the world. So now... We got this shit. It's no excuse. And it's within seconds. I used to have to shoot on a camera, upload it into the computer, Mm -hmm. edit it, right? You know, take hours to edit. Now I shoot this shit in seconds. But bro, what made you want to do that even then? Right? Because because even even those folks that are taking full advantage of this moment is not just because they want to. It's because they were prepared to. And so when I think about when I think about creatives, some of whom are like, okay, give me the stage and I'll kill it. Or put the camera in my face and I'm on. But they, but they never decided, I want to make content. I want to produce content. I want to know how, how the sausage gets made. And I want to be able to deliver it on my own. At right. what point, because you're talking about camcorders and linking to, 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 to laptops, that ain't that ain't new. So like what said to you before they were handhelds and before there was this democratization of, of video content, that was something you should even be doing. When I was on Wild and Out, mm. very successful show. Yeah. I'm grateful for it. Um, Nick is a boss, hands down. One of the, one of the most brilliant people I, I, I've been around. Um, we had a spinoff show called Short Circuits, a sketch show. And I've, I've been doing sketch for a long time. So the sketch show was cool, but I was like, man, there's so much more we could be doing. And so I had ideas that I would pitch and they would be like, eh, I don't know. So the whole time we were on set of Wild and Out and this show, we shot them simultaneously. There was a white boy, one of my boys named Rob Hoffman, a dancer, but he tried to dabble in comedy too. He was one of the cast members. He was always, he was early in the YouTube game. Mm-hmm. And we would see him on set, always on his laptop, always on his laptop. And we was like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm uploading to YouTube. And we was like, what is, what is YouTube? <laughs> and he showed me, and I was like, oh, so it's a video that you just uploaded and share and everyone can just see it. He's like, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, you can do blah, blah, blah. So whenever I would have ideas and I would pitch them in the writer's room and they was like, nah, we don't know, blah, blah, blah. Just like you see now to the, the versus shit, if I think it's funny, I'm going to do it and I'm going to present it. So back then that was my, I was like, I want to try it. And if YouTube is free, if that's a, a way of distributing, let me just shoot this idea, put it out and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And so when you see success from that, that's when the light bulb goes off. So God has been real, real uh, gentle with me because he knows my spirit. He's gentle with presenting the, the, the nugget. He's like, I'm going I'm to leave this crumb here because I know you're going to turn this crumb into a meal once you bite onto it. I'm not a lazy nigga. 
So when God gave me the gems and the crumbs, he was like, yeah, maybe you too. You just, just go do your little, your little video over there, but it turns into 60 million views later. Then I, I put, I edit that shit together and go sell a show to Fox. And then the Fox show gives me visibility. And then I'm doing movies with Sam Jackson and the Wayans and Marlon. You know what I mean? Like leverage, leverage. It was. See, I'm glad you said that word because I've been saying the word leverage at least four times in the last three days. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you why I talk to people that swear they know everything about everything. <laughs> and they'll say shit like, man, we need to get off Instagram because we're giving all the, our content away for free. And, you know, what, what happens if they decide to pull the plug that we can't put? I'm like, first of all, you niggas is giving your content away for free. I'm leveraging a free platform that doesn't mm-hmm. charge me to upload my content. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. I know what the end game is. So it's not a subscription-based platform. It's free for me to have an account. That's right. Sure, I know I know they're making billions of dollars off of the advertising, but it's their platform. They control it. They built it. Yes. I'm just a participant. And you're leveraging right? the hell out of the audience that they have built to be able to direct that audience where you want them to go. And the more you serve them, the more they follow you, regardless of the platform. And to show the right people in my field, the right people, it doesn't have to be a million people. That's right. But to show the right people, like Eddie Murphy said, look, I got the goat. Yeah. Right. I I pay homage to the goat. Eddie Murphy said in Harlem Nights, it's not how many people you shoot, it's who you shoot. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's that's what my mentality is like. So even all the versus videos, everything you've been seeing me post, every single post is a strategy. I love to do it, but I understand the strategy of leverage. Well, and, and what I love about that, too, man, because even even before this crisis, one of one of my biggest challenges with with our folks around talent is our over commitment to gig money. And listen, I get it. Like I've, I've been on the speaker circuit, so I'm, I'm not a comedian, but I've been on the speaker circuit. I understand show right. up, pay me money in the bank. We good. But it's bigger than that. And if if I don't want to be doing gig money dates when I'm 55, hell, I don't want to do gig money dates now. And and if 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 we're not leveraging those platforms and if we're not leveraging those opportunities towards the development of infrastructure um, and, and our, and, and not even so much our own platforms, but ensuring that we have the ability to dictate our own commerce because you don't have to have your own platform to dictate your own commerce. Um, And frankly, you can leverage their platform for your commerce. If you know what the hell you're doing, if you know what you're doing without having to put it, I mean, these same niggas is talking about we need our own platform have no idea of the cost involved in the development of a platform that rivals in any way, shape or form the ones they telling you to get off of. Listen, I've been to Facebook and Instagram headquarters. Them niggas got overhead too. Oh, a hell of a lot of overhead. They got a lot of overhead. So yeah, they making money off us. Great. But at the same time, they don't own my content. That's right. They can they can take it and, and broadcast it without my permission because that's the, in the terms and, and conditions, right? But I still own that shit. I can take any of that shit that I shot and upload it to Instagram, chop it together, and go put it on a TV show, sell that's it to a network. I could do all that shit on my own too. They don't. I'm not a slave to Instagram. Let me ask you this: what What are you having? What's the most because so many of the conversations now are about, are you okay? Um, how you managing? And that's real. Like, please, y'all, don't, don't let me, um, that comment make people think that, that I don't understand that there's some challenges. But, but I want to ask you a different question because I know where you are right now. Right. What's the most fun for you right now? 
all of it. I'm having a fucking blast, bro. But 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 break that down for me, because I because I know that some people get it, and there's some people that are like, "What the hell are you talking about?" But but why are you having fun? Where is the fun for you in this? Well, look, I understand, and I I will not minimize or make light of people's you know financial scenario mm-hmm. or living at home in a in a toxic environment. I know that 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 can be those people are having it the toughest right now. That's right. So I don't minimize, you know, I, I empathize with what they're going through. Thank God I am a I am a very strategic nigga. So I know how to save my money. I don't spend it on bullshit. I I have peace of mind in knowing that I can sustain for a minute. You know, if if no if if no no more if one dollar doesn't come back in for a little while, I know that I'm good for a little minute. Mm-hmm. Because of the work that I put in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like that's not a stunt. That's me getting on hundreds of planes that's over right. and over, hotels, performing six, seven shows per weekend. Mm-hmm. My body's tired. My back is having issues. Sweat, meet and greets for an hour, signing order. Like I put in a lot of fucking work to secure my now and my future. So, so checking that box off, that helps me sleep really, really well at night. To wake up and have the opportunity, knowing that the whole world is stopped and slowed down and stopped or whatever, right? We're all pretty much in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Sure, some people are open up and they're trying to get the world back to, to, to normal. But ultimately, we're all sitting at the crib. So I'm like, I. Right. it's not a scenario where I'm at home and things are slow and I know everybody else is out hustling and they all getting it, or at least that's what it appears to be on Instagram. So you have that, you develop that insecurity. So we don't have that. Mm -hmm. Now I got nothing but time to do what I do to create dog. I can't wait to get out of bed in the morning (laughs) or an afternoon because I'm a, I'm a night owl. So I sleep late. I can't wait to get out of bed and be like, all right, I'm going to make my playlist. I'm DJing tonight. Um, I'm, I got the singing uh, show I do at six. Um, I, I'm going to go live with either Godfrey or Spice or somebody uh, either tonight or in the afternoon or, you know what I mean? But I know that that live is going to be something that I record, mm-hmm. edit, re- reproduce and re-upload later. Mm-hmm. So I'm just having a blast doing what I do. I have peace of mind. I'm fed. I'm healthy and I'm a comedian who creates. <laughs> so I'm like, for, for, for my situation, I don't have anything to be complaining about. And you're going to have a ton of box content on the end of this, of uh, the COVID files. <laughs> so, so listen, sign me up already. Sign me up already for, for, uh, for edition one, two, and three. Cause I already know it's coming. Um, let me ask you this, man. So I, I think that as men, so much of who we are is wrapped up in our vocation. And so a lot of times it's, you know, Avion, the comedian or Jeff, that political dude or this person, the businessman. And because I don't I don't I don't, I don't even think that's just a black man thing. I think it's a man thing that mm-hmm. our identity is sometimes trapped in our vocation yeah. that sometimes people don't even know who the hell the whole person really is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know there'd be times, man, I would, I would be traveling. I'm at a strip club and a nigga want to start talking about the election. And I'm like, come on, dude. Like I'm, I'm off right now, dog. Like, let me give you some ones. Let me buy you a drink. We had a strip club, honey. Do you see what I'm looking at right now? Like, like something is wrong with you. But I, but I get it. And so I'm, I'm wondering, what, what do people least know about you? That's most who you are. I'm a very serious nigga. Okay. I'm not, because I'm, I'm very secure in my gift. So I'm not a comedian that's always that needs to always be on. Hmm. I can turn that shit on whenever I feel like it. So it's not something I need to try to see if I'm funny or, or I've already been stamped. I've already been validated by the top, by the, my, my OGs. And mm-hmm. 
So for me, I'm confident in what I do. So people don't really know that I'm a thinker. I'm a quiet, I'm a shy person. I'm introverted. Um, and I don't need a, I don't need the spotlight to be on me. I'll create the light. Mm. You know what I mean? And has that, has that been part of, has that been part of what has allowed you to remain so balanced? I, well, knowing who I am. Yeah. When you know who you are, you don't question if you should be doing bullshit. Mm-hmm. If bullshit ain't for you, you should know that. But that comes with knowledge of self and not in the, you know, <laughs> the, in the corny way or like the, the rhetorical the, kind of rhetorical yeah. philosophical, but you don't really know what you're saying. <laughs> knowledge of self means that, that's really a whole knowing. Nother, that's a whole new podcast, nigga. Exactly. <laughs> Stay woke. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no, I, I've taken this time to really know me. I've been to therapy for the last two years and I love my therapist. She's a black woman from DC and she's like an auntie. She's like sitting across from one of my aunties. Cause I didn't want to go to therapy and have to explain the black experience too. So I wanted a black person, male or female. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got my, my therapist and she, she just really helped me zero in on not beating myself up for things on, on understanding that, what I'm doing is enough and I'm, and I'm good. Brothers going to therapy is still an anomaly. Mm-hmm. And so what was the moment for you where you were like, you even needed this? Cause, cause, cause I even know quote unquote enlightened brothers. That's like, yo, therapy is some dope shit, but I don't really need it. I was him. I was him for, for a full decade. I was that guy. Cause I have good friends. And I'm very transparent with my friends and we can have hour long conversations about my, my relationship or whatever I'm going through. Right. So I have friends that I can dish off to, but I wanted to go to therapy because in my, my last relationship, when we were, we were going through, we broke, we broke up like 50 times. Right. Mm -hmm. But early on, I said, I want to, I was seeing a pattern in the relationship with that, my last one, and with the ones previous. And I was like, there's a pattern here that's very similar. I want to make sure it's not me. Mm. Is it me perpetuating this thing? Or is it something that I'm just gravitating towards because I'm drawn to that? Mm -hmm. So of course my therapist breaks it down. She's like, yeah, you're dating different versions of your mother. And there it is. Drop the mic. Yep. So that's okay. But when you know yourself and you know what you like and you are, you take full ownership about what you like, how you want to live your life, what your credences are, what your, you know, morals are. Once you know that you don't, as men, sometimes we compromise for the fine chick. We start to bend 90% of the time because we just want to get the fine chick. Yep. So if she's coming in saying, well, I don't like this and I don't like that. And I, I do this and I, and you're listening to her talking and you know, the shit that she's saying ain't really up your alley, mm-hmm. but you feel like I'm going to get with her and that's just going to change. Hopefully. Yep. And maybe not. I just know what it's going to look like when we show up at places. You're betting against yourself. <laughs> so, it's really key to, to lock into who you are and know what you want out of life so that you don't compromise yourself. Cause those things that, that we call red flags in people are really just the things that we know that they told us in the beginning. Oh, yeah. And we tried to sweep under the rug thinking that we was going to be able to change them. Mm-hmm. Or, you know I mean? or especially as men that we ain't even trying to be that serious anyway. So this is going to be a short term piece. I can work around that as I do what I need to do. And then somebody got mad at me once. Cause I said, when, you know, when the meantime chick becomes a full time chick, um, then you mad. Oh, listen, it happens a lot. And, and it happens on both sides. I know a whole lot of sisters is with the meantime brother that yeah. ends up being the full time <laughs> brother. So <clears throat> it's like, yeah, let me just do this for a minute until I find and then you don't. And then, yeah, and then no. Yeah, you get caught up in the convenience of it. 
Yeah, it's, it's a whole it's a whole lot. I don't I don't know how many people are actually by law still considered common law, but it's a it's a lot of common law motherfuckers out here. Um, <clears throat> let, let me ask you this: so you you seem like uh, family is just critically important to you, and I, and I don't mean that in a way like I think there are a lot of people that be like, oh, I love my family, this, that, and the third. But but when it comes time to how they spend their time, um, who they are, what they invest in, what they feel like their legacy is being built for, I don't notice. I, but I just get the sense that family is an unbelievable, unbelievably important part of why you are what you are. Oh, um, sure. I'm, I'm curious, who in your family are you most like? Hmm. I would say my sister, my uh, uh, my middle sister. Tell me it's about it a little bit. It's four of us, so she and I are the two in the middle. She's younger than me, but it's the two. Are. So yeah, we're we're the most. Um, we have the same temperament. Like we 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 try to find a silver lining. We don't accept defeat. She's a she's a tough motherfucker, man. She's younger than me, but she I look up to her. That's my she my hero, and I'm her hero. So. She's the one I can talk to. I got. She's my confidant. I'm her confidant. Um, but yeah, we're we're like <laughs> we're definitely the two. We're the two responsible kids. <laughs> you know, our parent. My parents know exactly who to call when some shit go down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how does it feel? I, I think there's there's something there's something interesting about where we come from. Um, yeah. So I was I was. I was born overseas, but I was raised in Cleveland. Um, Where overseas? I was born in the UK. Uh, my parents okay. worked for the government, but I, but Cleveland's home. I was raised in Cleveland, and I take Cleveland with me everywhere I go. And there's a um, <clears throat> there's a practical work ethic that I mm-hmm. carry with me that's from Cleveland. And there is a um, there's a no frills, no thrills. I don't really get get riled up by hype. Um, because there's there's a there's a working class grittiness that I come from that's part of both sides of my family, and so I'm wondering, you know, you North Carolina, um, and and I think that there is something about not just being from the South, but there's something about there's a there's a North Carolina DNA, and and I'm wondering what about where you grew up, no matter where you go, what you do sticks with you. Well, my situation's a little different. I was born in Carolina, but I was raised in Germany because my dad's army. Mm. So it's the army that really shaped me because army is very family oriented. When you're living on the base, everyone kind of leans on each other. We all need each other. You know what I'm saying? No, there's no wealthy people unless you're an officer, you know, a colonel. And that's relative. Right. Exactly. So they're not, you know, no one's balling out of control. And so, you know, you got to borrow some sugar. You go downstairs to your neighbor or across the hallway or you need somebody to babysit your kids because you got to get a second job. Mm-hmm. Everyone, it's a community. So that's the way I grew up. Um, and it definitely has shaped me into into community and family and, and being there for my friends and, and colleagues, you know, in a way that's uh, with, with a little more humility. What for you was the early um, European experience like? And, and, and what I mean by that is less, less even the, the cultural dynamics of living abroad as much as so many of our peers never go beyond the five block radius of their house when they're kids. And I was, I was in a place where while we didn't really have a lot financially, we were privileged because I didn't think the world was my block. And so I saw the world different and I moved different in it. And I, I saw myself in the world differently than a lot of my friends did. And as you think about beyond kind of the army culture, but you seeing yourself within the global context of your own identity, how has that right. impacted you? Um, it, it, it showed me that, um, that I don't have to just be on a block. 
You know what I mean? Because uh, North Carolina, where I live, I'm from Fayetteville, and it's not the most positive place. It's not the most uh, opportune place, or, or you know, thriving with opportunity. So, being raised in Germany showed me that from a young age, I already knew that how big the world was. Mm-hmm. I already knew it takes eight hours to fly to Germany, or you know, or you know, however, eight, yeah, eight hours, yeah, eight nine hours. Right. And they speak a different language over there. And we could jump in a car. We can go to France. We can go to Italy. I've seen all that shit before I was 10. Mm-hmm. I saw the uh, Colosseum in Rome and the Vatican and all that. Um, then I get back to Carolina. And some of the guys that I went, was in kindergarten with, now I'm back. And we're in the fifth grade. And I'm like, you guys have lived here the whole time? And they're like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? Dad works up the block and we got a house right here across the street from the school. And in my mind, I couldn't fathom that they didn't move because that's all I knew. Right. So now as an entertainer to go do stand up in the UK or to travel and do a movie in Dubai or whatever, or New York, or it's, I, I, I'm used to it. I'm good. I, I know how to be mobile. And I know that the world is way bigger than what I see outside my window. Well, and and it's and travel is just the most liberating thing ever, um, especially especially when you allow yourself when you allow yourself to be healthily ignorant. Um, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful to to go somewhere and not have to know everything, and right. to be confident asking questions and and learning shit. Um, because yeah. you get the most out of it. And that's not the typical American experience because uh, we know every damn thing. And, <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's, I don't know about you. But I've, I've been to places where sometimes I've overcompensated because I didn't want people to think I'm the ignorant American. Uh, yeah. so, so I'll even be more inquisitive than I might normally be just to let you know I'm not that motherfucker. Uh, yeah. We have this thing, what I call Americans. <laughs> <laughs> we are so fucking arrogant, yo. Oh, it's awful. The rest of the world is chill. Outside of maybe Parisians. Parisians and Nigerians. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- there's there's an inherent arrogance, and I actually like it in in Nigerians and Parisians that I think might might dwarf Americans. But everyone's is a little different. I it feel is. like Americans' arrogance is bit based on ignorance. Like we we swear we're the smartest and the biggest, you know that 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 movie uh, mentality of what America is. You watch Independence Day and and everyone's <laughs> like, call America and let's see what America's gonna do. Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like and the world's not waiting on America. So so effortlessly, like the greatest country in the world and the greatest democracy in the world. And I'm like, what in the hell are you talking about? And these are people who ain't been nowhere. Exactly. So that's what I mean. Like Parisians and Nigerians, they, their, their arrogance is warranted in certain areas. No, I agree. I mean, hell, Nigerians, Nigerians have been named the smartest people in the world. Um, and, and when you think about history and culture and, and the fact that we're like five minutes old um, and they're looking at centuries of history that they know and can talk about. No, nah, that's that that's real. And they're directly linked to. Mm-hmm. Let, let me ask you, when when you um, when you think about the uncertainty of what's on the other side of this, even in the midst of how much fun you're having and and you haven't stopped working and you're probably you're, you're building with cats that you didn't always have as much time to build with, uh, which, which is also incredible. What are you most excited about creating on the other side of whatever the new normal is? Just more. <laughs> and that's across the board. More TV, mm-hmm. more stand-up, more tours more film just more more of what i'm doing right now i love it and i'm leveraging myself to to be able to do something really big um and yeah it's it's some it's some shit that's going down right now in in a great way that i'm really excited about and it was all birthed from this pandemic what have you learned most about yourself 
I don't know what I've learned learned that was new. Really? No, because again, I spend a lot of time with myself. I, I'm yeah. I'm very I'm an introvert. All I do is, like I said, when I when I talk to myself, it's so what we doing. But no, but but I'm I'm the same way. Like I I'm an extroverted introvert. My my business requires me to engage. Right. But I'm comfortable as hell in my corner of the room. And not because I'm afraid of somebody, but because I'm comfortable in that corner of the room. But I think you said something earlier, and it was where I got convicted in the midst of all this, that so much of my life has been about busyness. And so mm-hmm. I'm on this plane, and then I'm off this plane, and then I'm on this train, and I'm in this meeting, and I'm doing this, and I'm moving. And as much as I'm introspecting, I'm fucking exhausted. Yeah. And and there is there's a reality about this haze of exhaustion that you're never thinking your best. You're never seeing your most clear. And even if you got a commitment to stopping and pausing and looking and, and being present and looking at the reality of of who you are and what's going on, that at least for me, there were things that this calm allowed me to see. Oh, that yeah. Previously. I may not have been able to see to the degree that I did before. And I'm just wondering if, if you had that at all. I can't say that I've had any epiphanies. I I just, I just, what I'm seeing is I'm come, I'm realizing that I actually am really good at what I do. Mm. And cause sometimes you don't know, you don't know where you line up or where you match up. Right. But when the world stops and now everyone's watching everybody and like you said, on that Khaled shit, there's another one and then another one. And I'm watching who's responding to it. I'm watching who's responding, not the masses, but the specific people that are responding to it. Yep. Again, Ludacris called last night. We was on live. He was he had just seen the sketch and he was blowing the fuck away. Mm hmm. And he's been a fan. We've always shown love to each other, but he was like, nigga, how did you, how the fuck did you do that no. right after the, and it was the whole thing. So I'm realizing I'm really good at what I do and, and I can be okay with saying that and I should be okay with just continuing to produce. Mm-hmm. I'm changing people's feelings about life in some ways. People are texting me and emailing and DMing. Like, man, thank you. They're thanking me for being a light in this time. So I don't take that lightly, man. I'm like, all right, well, if what I do, what I love to do is giving y'all joy, shit, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. No, and, and I'm one of those people. I mean, I, I I don't I have not enjoyed anybody's content consistently as much as yours in this moment. Um but I think so much of that comes from the authenticity of it. Because because there's some folks in this moment that are like, I got to create something. I got to make something. I got to put something out. Um, we got to do another post. And it's the shit's forced and it feels forced. And like I, it don't even look like you having fun doing it. So why would I enjoy watching you doing it if it don't look like like you look like you in pain doing this shit? And it's and, and it's it's just so not the case with what you've been doing, and so I, I I second that, but I also appreciate what you said because I think that is a revelation to some degree, because because this this moment has been an equalizer, so now yeah. you ain't at the garden with a with a multi million dollar marketing machine, right. and you ain't got no HBO special. Um, that you're in the midst of producing. Uh, And and so there's been an incredible talent equalizer that's just about, yo, this ain't about how big your brand is. This is about, do the people feel you? Do the people, do you resonate with niggas? So that's what I'm I'm realizing because I've always uh, produced from that authentic place Mm -hmm. because I'm an authentic nigga. So... I realize what people what resonates with people are the the authenticity in my characters and the delivery and the dialogue and they're like nigga that shit was funny that that that, that character this is a, but it's all from that authentic place mm-hmm. and 
like you said, now we're all equalized. So it's, it's ground zero, right? So in the beginning of the pandemic, I would create, throw something out and be like, all right, but I know several other, I know this dude, he got something, he got something. So, you know, you kind of just play, you know, play your position, Mm -hmm. but you keep, you know, trying things. But then I'm noticing, wait, I'm out the gate. I'm already, wait, they not, he's, he's behind. This nigga's supposed to be fast. Mm -hmm. This dude, you know, took all, you know, he got all the medals from the last, you know, <laughs> we, now we in the lanes and I'm just taking my strides. I'm taking my strides. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm, I'm competing and they're all on my ass or they're, you know, we're all running the same race, but this, this time right now is proving to me. No. Yeah. And not in an arrogant way, in a way that says, if you're chosen for this moment, Yes. You're one of the, the chosen people that have the gift and the, the ingenuity to be able to thrive in this moment. Mm-hmm. All right. I'll, I'll accept it. But that speaks to the work, too, because because this ain't an easy time. And, and I know I know some rich niggas right now that's that's messed up. Um, right. And it's not about their talent or their money. It was about all the other stuff they didn't pay attention to in the midst of that that now they got to deal with. Like, yo, I'm at home with this wife I don't like. Like, I don't like looking at this chick. Like, when she walks around the corner, my skin starts to itch. And and my whole being around being a father was around just making sure the bag was here. And so my job was... Are the groceries paid for? Is the mortgage covered? Is the is the tuition taken care of? And I get to parachute in and be super dad for 15 minutes. So everything is fun. One of, one of my boys called me the other day. He was like, nigga, I don't watch Moana like 35 times. What the fuck am I supposed to do now? And I'm like, yo, for real? Like, play. <laughs> like your, your, your kids are going to tell you what they want to do. All you got to do is be present enough to say, yes, let's do that. But, and again, no, not even judgment, bro. It's just cats have been living differently. And as a result, they now know what muscles they ain't got. Right. And so there's a lot of cats that don't have the consistency because they ain't had to create nothing they self. They didn't have right. a team. The team did this and the network did this and the, and the agency did this. And all I had to do is show up and wait for them to say action. And it was time to go. And so this moment is really about curators. Um, and I told my wife, I was like, I want to curate this new normal, not have to accept somebody else's curation. And and that's what I see you doing, bro, in a major way. That's that's one of my favorite words. I am extremely uh, in the curation mindset at all times. Mm. That's what it takes. That's really what it, I'm curating myself and who I consume and who and I'm looking. I'm looking to see who's out there again. I'm thinking we all running, <laughs> but that same finish line, and I'm seeing motherfuckers just like. They shoes untied. And they crutches out here, bro. Some wheelchairs. Cats is in some some scooters because they came. I mean, it's it's a whole lot. Yeah, bro. Who's so, con- who? What are you enjoying the most? Like, what's what's the content or the the kind of unique experience that's happening right now? That when you take three minutes break from the stuff you're creating, that you're enjoying consuming. Oh, when I watch other people's stuff? Yeah. Like, what's some stuff recently that you were just like, yo, that right there was brilliant? It's normally the people that you see me rock with. So Spice Adams is, he's not even a comedian, but this nigga, his level of genius and and comedic processing, he's, he's like a general. He has the same capacity as a general in the comedy game. I don't know. It's, it's, It's a gift. So I was already a fan of his before we spoke. We never even met in person before. We just started doing this shit on live. Um, Godfrey, 
we were able to start matching wits. And I'm like, this dude, nigga man. is oh my God. brilliant. And then there's other pages that I follow, like this white boy named Trevor Wallace who's fucking hysterical. Um, I love uh, King Batch is stupid, Ha Ha Davis. So there's certain people that I follow. Uh, Desi Banks is another one. Uh, Pretty Miss V. Uh, um, yeah, so I, I have my choice people that I, I just sit back and be like, yo, this nigga's stupid. <laughs> and, just, and just, you know, just relax and, and watch. Mm-hmm. You know who, do you, who do you want to work with that you haven't worked with yet? Will Smith and Eddie Murphy. There it is. Those are the only two because I've, I've worked with everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? Jeffrey Wright. I need to add him to that list. Oh He's a you know, you know, you know, Jeffrey, what he does. But as far as the comedians and then, and, and, you know, comedic actors, Will, Will and Eddie are the two, my two heroes that I haven't worked with yet. Okay. But no, Je- Jeffrey is Jeffrey's. He's a mad scientist. He's literally a mad scientist. Yeah. And, and probably one of the most underrated, comprehensively character actors that we have. Um, mm-hmm. Because he's a mad scientist. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, that's absolutely right. So let me ask you this. If, if this thing was over tomorrow, um, and by over... I don't mean the governor opened up the state. I mean, I mean, there's a cure. We know that that folks are what, where where is where is the place that you miss the most? Is there a place you miss the most going? I mean, I, I'm a beachhead. I love the beach, but I've I've been going periodically anyway. Yeah, but is is there a place that you haven't like? One of your spots that's just like oh, this. Like restaurants. Like I, I love, I'm, I'm an eat out guy. So I love restaurants. So mm-hmm. just the ability to go sit in and, and you know, I saw you in a restaurant, so you know. Oh, you no, know I'm, the, I'm, a, I'm the exact same way. I mean, that, that to me, that's life actually. Good food, good wine, good company. And I'm great. I mean, if. if I'm Gucci. And, yeah. and, and. You know, being able to walk to the to the ice cream shop with my chick and just be able to get a little, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm good with that. Who who is the character you wish you could do but you can't? That I wish I could do. Oh, somebody asked me something similar the other day. This is embarrassing, but I'm Trinidadian. My mother's from Trinidad. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I cannot lock in on the dialect. I am I impersonate. Every other, I just did Manny Pacquiao on my page, Dude, that was and all my Filipino friends and, and fans was like, "Nigga, you no, that you was hilarious. Really, you nailed it. You fucking nailed the accent." But I can't do my own native accent. Is that is? But is that an issue of your perfection? Your perfectionism? No, I just I I, I know that I'm off because I have an ear for when something's on or off. I know, and you just can't. You just can't get it. I, I'm, I've, I've told myself that during this pandemic, I'm just going to keep listening. I'm going to keep listening to, so I can lock in because that shit, I have to get it. I have to get it. Like that's my, my homeland. So I, I gotta have the dialect. Do you have a imitation that you do that you like the most? Like the shit just makes you laugh. Not really. Um, when I hear certain ones back after I've filmed it, then I'll be like, ah, oh, that was funny. But I don't necessarily, you know, dick ride my own impressions. I, I don't, it's not necessarily something I enjoy doing. It's just a tool. Hmm. It's a strategy tool. I like it. What, mm-hmm. what part of, so what, what part of the art do you love the most? Like, what's the part that just really, when you're in it, you enjoy it more than almost anything else. For me, it's making people laugh. Knowing that So it really is the response. Huh? It really is the response. Oh my God. Like, we was on live last night doing this fucking versus thing. And we was fluctuating between four and six thousand people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Consistently was the number in the corner. To see a sea of 
laugh emojis going up on the comments like a C. I know I'm not in front of an audience like my standup is, right? Because that's a great feeling too. When you got the room, you got that mic and you just, you saying shit and you got the room going, ah, ah, that shit is amazing. So to substitute that, being on live and doing some dumb shit, Mm. And you see all those little yellow faces, and then they be in a row, like people put like a <laughs> laugh, tears emojis, right? That to me is like okay, and I and I lock in. Like when I was doing Luda last night, I just was like locked in. I wasn't rushing nothing. I just mm. I was just being him. And it's probably the close. It's the closest. It's the closest thing to stand up that you can do in this moment. Because while while you don't have the laugh reaction and that energy, you you know what the fuck them damn smiley faces mean. Um, yeah, and, and so and them, them is coming from niggas. <laughs> I know that's that's just coming from niggas. Like all the the reposts and all the stuff that I'm getting is all niggas, and mm-hmm. and that to me is the most valuable acknowledgement. If black people don't think you funny, oh. You might want to rethink your shit. Yeah. If you're a black person, if you a black person and niggas don't think you funny, hang it up. Yeah. What are you doing? Hang, hang it up. Before you, before you can go get you can go get some white money, but that's just not gonna last. They don't stay with you. It's 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 a transaction. It's transactional, in a real way. And and there really is something. I mean, you you and I were talking about just this whole notion of how versus has really helped us like really key in on people we love and not, not in a way that is, is even just the music. I mean, like we love the spirit of people like, and whether, whether it was, whether it was watching Luda and Nelly last night or clearly watching Erica and Jill, like this was not this these weren't casual love affairs of oh that's my song. It was this is who I am. Like they yeah. represent who I am. And you made a great point about us just not personifying these folks as the gems that they are. Do you think that the level of appreciation that we're seeing um, of each other, especially people in the same industry, has the ability to carry over when this is over? Or I pray, I pray so. I, I don't know. I think um, here's the thing. When I was talking about the Rolling Stones and YouTube, they have mass fan bases. Niggas have core. Yeah. If you can feed your core, you can make a living. You yeah. may not be wealthy. Or you may, you, you, if your core is big enough. But that core is the one that stays with you. So if you know your core, they're going to ride with you. You look at Kings of Comedy, all those dudes are still thriving. Oh, yeah. Still thriving. You know what I mean? So, but again, nigga funny. If you mm-hmm. funny to niggas, they're going to stay with you the whole way. Mm-hmm. The whole way. And that, and that's a, I mean, I don't care what kind of content you create. There's real tension there because to your point, I don't know if, I don't even know if we were, if we were recording or not when we talked about this, but you talked about um, having, having agents and managers that were like, well, I don't really understand how to sell you or what are we supposed to do with you? Which really just means I'm lazy as shit and I don't have no vision, but but what that said to me, too, was there still is a lot of tension between us feeling like we need to, quote unquote, cross over to be validated um, and then being real clear about what crossover money looks like, because and those aren't the same thing. So so I, I think it, I think it's interesting, even in this moment, I've heard a lot of cats say this moment has really taught me who I'm supposed to be speaking to and what I'm supposed to be creating. And it doesn't mean I don't want whoever else there is to love it. It just means this has been, this is a moment that's reminded me who the hell I really am, who really rides with me. 
um, yeah. and who I really need to ride for. But before I let you go, man, if you think about because you said you're a serious cat and and our conversations have fluctuated on all kinds of issues. When you think about what you want your legacy to be, what is it? That's tough, man, because sometimes I straddle the fence with, you know, feeling like I have what it takes to be one of the goats, like an Eddie, right? But then there's another side of me that says, just accept that that's already what you are, Mm. whether they stamp it or not, whether the masses stamp it or not. Because again, I'm one of those guys that have been stamped by the, the greats, the select few greats, but maybe the masses don't always bring my name up in them conversations. So I know that that may be how ludicrous feels. He may feel like, man, I know I, I could rock with Nas on a track. I could rock with mm-hmm. the greatest. I could rock with Jay and I could, I could be right there with him. But when they start talking about them lists, yeah. is his name brought up all the time? Not necessarily. Does that take away from who he is? Does that take away from his greatness? If he allows it to, it will. Yeah. So for me, when it comes to legacy, I just want to be known for uh, to, as the guy who just always shot, shot the shot and hit the home run. Yeah. Another one. Another one. Another one. Consistently relevant and consistently great at what I do. I just want to be known as, as the guy that, that really affected people from that position. Well, what, what a way to go out, man, because I think the point that you're making is one that a lot of us deal with in, in, in really being clear about the difference between what success is versus greatness. And, and being the GOAT is often more about success than it is greatness. It, it right. literally is right. the market saying that your sales and your product and your brand and your Q rating are all higher than anybody else's. But, but greatness is really about, did you master the hell out of your gift? And no matter what anybody else said, what anybody right. else did, you mastered the hell out of your gift so that every time you showed up, you were raising the bar on your performance, on your content, on your energy. And that shit can't be compared to anybody else. Like your greatness can't be compared to anybody else. It literally is you compared to you. Period. And so I, I love that you that you ended there because I think that there's a lot of brothers in particular mm-hmm. that spend their whole life comparing themselves to somebody else's shit. Yep. Facts. And it's it's got to be the most painful thing ever because you can't ever win that. No. You never you gonna stay win in that. the then in the position of doing what you love to do to its max. Yep. That has to be the goal. Yep. Is say fuck the the accolades. I'm not gonna go for the charts. I'm not gonna go for the GOAT title. I'm just gonna get really good at paying attention to what I love and do that. And whoever it hits, it hits. Whoever doesn't hit, it doesn't hit. And that's that's what I locked into. Yes. And to your point, most of the GOATs never said I want to be the GOAT. No. The people have to name you GOAT. Yeah, most of the GOATs were just like, yo, I just want to do dope shit. That's it. Every single day. And I want to be, I want to be better than me yesterday. And, and, you yep. have, and you have people that motivate you. Like, clearly, I mean, and, and, and you, you said, you know, Eddie is, Eddie is Eddie. And if you're you're a comedian and you're not inspired by Eddie, something's wrong with you. Um, right. But it doesn't mean you want to be Eddie. No. And and that that I think is is the difference. So man, thank you, brother. I'm 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 uh, like I said in the beginning, bro. I'm I'm just appreciate appreciative of who you are as a man in this world in this moment. 
um, and how you allow yourself to to walk and flow and share in your gift. And to your point, um, the fact that you never allowed yourself to believe that you were just what you did. Uh, and so when when your spirit is in places, cats feel the wholeness, feel the wholeness yeah. of it. Um, and that in itself is a blessing, brother. So I appreciate you. Yo, thanks for listening to Men Thrive. Did you like us? If you like us, visit your go-to podcast provider and check out other episodes. You can also go deeper by joining our community at menthrive.com. 